Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cats. Subscribe to Cast Plus where you can listen ad-free. And check out our Lost in Panama after-show episodes, where Jeremy and I sit down to dissect this case in far more detail than we're able to get into the main show. There's so much more to talk about here. Rabbit trails we didn't have time for, and Jeremy and I dig deep in these after-show episodes. To listen to them, just go to castmedia.com slash castplus. Hey everyone. Hola mi gente. Gracias. Thank you for checking out the latest episode of Lost in Panama. I'm Mariana Tencio. And I'm Jeremy Kreit. And this is Lost in Panama, the after show, where we explore theories, fill you in on what happened behind the scenes, and answer any questions that you may still have. Hopefully, we will do our best. So, in the latest episode, we talked about how... Did Chris in the Sand potentially die? And what do the remains tell us? So, Jeremy, first question that we asked each other off the bat, how do two people, healthy young people, fall into a river and die? That's a good question. I think that that is a head scratcher, and it's puzzled a lot of people. If one of them fell in, the other one would presumably go for help. I think this is why the alleged bridge was such a convenient excuse for the government to put a a neat bow on this case, the Panamanian authorities. That's, ah, there's the bridge that appears in the picture. They must have fallen together from this bridge. But now that we've disproved that there is a bridge visible in that image, it becomes mere speculation that they fell from a bridge. And I think this was something that Don Daris also said, and I'm not sure if it made it into the episode, but he talked about how he'd never heard of two people suffering a hiking accident like that together at the same time. So that is a very strange thing. You imagine there's a a precipice and and of a natural cause, what would induce two people to fall off of it? I don't know. What do you think? I think that it makes the murder theory more plausible, frankly. Hmm. I think that most wilderness survival experts would agree with you. It is not logical human behavior. The only plausible scenario that I've been able to imagine for that, barring the bridge, which, you know, we don't have any evidence that they fell from a bridge. And we've crossed those bridges ourselves and did not have any risk of falling. Although you did tie a rope around my waist like a baby elephant, so I wouldn't fall. So thank you. That's why I'm able to be on the air with you guys now hosting this podcast. Well, you wouldn't have fallen anyway, I don't think. (laughs) But one possible hypothesis is that one of them fell in or went for a swim and was caught up in a current or swept away, and the other one tried to help. You know, that's possible. But again, it's just speculation, and we don't have any evidence to support that. So how did you feel about the fact that 
the forensic anthropologist who conducted the autopsies initially was so afraid for his own safety that he wanted to remain anonymous. This was very telling. Again, you and I, our job is to go around the world interviewing people who are afraid to reveal certain things. But this man was just so scared, but so determined to speak his truth. We interviewed him in a conference room of this hotel in David. It was my birthday, by the way, that day. And we're just committed to obviously hearing him out. And he did not beat around the bush about the fact that he believed they had been murdered and he believed that the killer was still out there in Boquete, which sent shivers down my spine as we were conducting the interview, because that's exactly where you and I and the rest of the team were staying and becoming bigger and bigger targets, I guess, or just more well-known in that small community about the fact that we were digging around doing this investigation. Hmm. He said something at one point that uh, he always worries that the assassin is just around the corner or behind a door waiting for him. Imagine living your life with that fear over doing your job as a forensic anthropologist. And also the fact that he said he had quit over the way the department conducted itself, the corruption. What does that say to you about some of the authorities in this part of the world where you're investigating? Right. I, I think it was very much the concern of, of some of the law enforcement agents that we talked to, too, that there had been corruption and it relating to the Kramer's Frone case and a deliberate attempt to kind of just make all this go away and sweep it under the rug. And when you see the amount of evidence that we've been investigating, it, it just seems amazing that they didn't at least look into it, even if they concluded ultimately that did a thorough investigation and concluded that it was an accident. Uh, at least they would have looked under the right rocks and tried to hunt down the truth. It doesn't seem like they did that. And I think that's, you know, ultimately this forensic anthropologist complaint that they wanted to do more investigating. They were concerned, you know, the forensics team within Panama, multiple members of it were saying that they believed it was foul play back in 2014. And the DA unfortunately just dropped the ball. Exactly. And first of all, for me, being from Venezuela, it's exactly the kind of thing that you know, makes you wonder sometimes, should I go to the authorities? Should I trust this person or this other person? That's exactly what you and I were dealing with. But also you sense the frustration in the forensic anthropologist in his voice about the fact that it just seemed like at every turn, the expert that was tasked with just doing his or her job, the same with Jose Londeris. And what Cineproc did, they were just not allowed to conduct their job thoroughly. They were just truncated at every turn. And that you and I kept running into that the more and more that we investigated. And then I also have to mention how frightening it was. And but just kind of like very real, it really hit home the forensic anthropologist, his different theories about what may have happened to Chris and the San in terms of just the context of this place about the fact that this could have been narco trafficking and organ trafficking, human trafficking. And that's actually in line with what Luis, our cameraman, who we have talked about and 
worked so hard, not only in directing this on film, shooting the scenes, but recreating the, the nighttime photos in the jungle. Luis really believed in the beginning that this was a case of organ trafficking, remember? Yes. And I think it's important to remember that this forensic anthropologist had a background working with organized crime in Mexico where he'd done his training. And I think that that may have colored his perception a little bit. I think that he's right to be concerned about the condition of the remains and the fact that the government never did a real thorough investigation. But having spent a lot of time in the Boquete area, I've heard a lot of rumors about organ trafficking, but nothing that's ever come to light. Jared, but can you really dismiss it, though, with the normally high number of women and girls that have gone missing in this area in the last couple of years? I don't think that you can dismiss it. Hmm. I would say that there are people who I think are very smart who do believe that there is an organ trafficking ring. I have seen some reports in the local press that kind of make it seem more like an urban legend. So often that kind of thing, human trafficking in this fashion, where like people are kidnapped for their organs, when you poke into it, it turns out to be a myth. It can also be sex trafficking. Doesn't necessarily have to be for the organs. Well, that uh, that definitely goes on in in that area, and especially because you've got a border with Costa Rica. Absolutely, there's a lot of wealth from the outside in that you know part of Central America. Expats and older people who go there to retire. Yes, there was one case. I want to say in 2011, a pretty famous case uh, in the, in the area. To listen uh, to the rest of this after show, go to castmedia.com/slash. Cast Plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.